So we are here today with a very special guest. Um, her name is Amalia Cardenas, and she is a developer who has a special interest in diversity, education, and technology. And she organizes workshops for women and for people from underrepresented groups in tech. Um, and these workshops are to learn how to code. She also has a podcast called Anyone Can Code. So Amalia, I wanted to um, talk to you today because I think it's so interesting what you're doing. Um, you are focusing on women and also people from underrepresented groups. Um, but focusing on them to try and, and show them that uh, you don't have to be afraid of technology, basically. <laughs> can you tell us, can you maybe, first of all, give us a little bit of background, just where you come from and how you got into this whole coding thing? Well, first of all, thank you so much, Louise, for having me on your uh, show. It's really great to see all the interviews that you're doing. So how I got into technology, it was really accidental. My first job straight out of college, um, I ended up working for Microsoft. And that's where I sort of got the technology bug or um, I got hooked on technology because while I wasn't coding or doing anything related to coding, It was in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, at the height of where everything was happening. And oftentimes uh, we would get to see like previews of what was coming up, you know, technologies that were coming up so that we could talk to clients about it. And it was just such an exciting field. And that's really where I started to become really interested in technology. But um, what, what year was this? This was in 2005, I think. Okay. So it was just when social media was starting mm. like, to pick up. Um, but the job that I was doing was quite, uh, I was doing account management. And I felt like after some time, I understood the job, you know, and I really wanted to research networks because I still had a passion for learning and And I learned the job quickly and I wanted to go back to academia. So I ended up doing a master's in Barcelona. And why I came to Barcelona was because my partner uh, got a job in Barcelona. So we both moved to Barcelona and I started a master's in sociology. And there I was researching networks, working with a group on looking at how people used social media for social support and, you know, doing some network analysis there. Um, and that's when I first started to get sort of accidentally in the world of coding. So people assumed that because I worked for Microsoft, I knew how to build websites. Right. So <laughs> I was doing, you know, this project as part of my research And they also said, okay, well, you also build the website. And I had no idea how to do it. But then, you know, just Googling things and YouTubing things, I started to teach myself a little bit of HTML. Mm -hmm. And at the time, websites in Spain were horrible. And academic websites are still really, really <laughs> terrible. Um, 
But then from there, my partner saw that I built this nice website and he said, oh, you should do one for our research group. So then I got hired to do that one. And then some other people saw, okay, that looked really nice. Why don't you make one for us? So each year I kind of had websites coming in freelance um, Mm. on top of all the research work that I was doing. So it was kind of like a parallel hobby thing that I was doing. And yeah, that's really how I got into programming. At some point, you know, I realized I better uh, figure out what I'm really doing because sometimes I would get stuck. And at the time, I didn't know anyone who could program. Um, I think I did reach out to some people online that I met through YouTube videos. But at the time, there weren't meetups or anything. Um, and yeah, I, I enrolled in a boot camp because, oh, it's a very long-winded story. <laughs> but I ended up going to London to start a PhD. And there was really when I got exposed to the world of uh, programming meetups because alongside doing my PhD, I was also working on another website project that was larger than what I could handle at the time. So I ended up going to some meetup groups just to ask for help. And that's really my first um, contact with programming or the programming world. And so what made you think that there was an audience um, for this, for learning coding uh, amongst women? And why focus on women? That's a really good question. So the first times that I did muster up the courage to go to these meetups, you know, because it's so intimidating, you think, I have no idea what I'm doing. Everyone is going to look at me and think, what is she doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you're really scared to go to these meetups. And I was really scared. And when I went to my first meetup, indeed, it was a room full of men. Um, And when I was asking questions, they were really condescending. They were basically telling me, you know, you don't know what you're doing. Um, You're never going to figure this out. So what you should do is hire one of us and then we'll take care of it for you. Okay. (laughs) Great. (laughs) So, yeah, I left the meeting really discouraged and um, very discouraged. I just thought, God, you know, I can't figure things out on my own. I go to ask for help and then instead of feeling better, uh, I just leave feeling like completely demoralized. Mm. So somebody told me about a group called Code Bar in London. And when I went there, it was completely the opposite. You know, everyone was so welcoming. Um, They made you feel like there's no such thing as a silly question. Mm. Everybody is an amateur at the beginning. Everybody is a beginner. And it's really, um, technology is not really this secret box that no one can understand and only special people who have wizard powers, you know, 
if you have good people coaching you along the way, it's possible to learn anything. So yeah, that was my, once I went to that meetup and I left with such a positive feeling and CodeBar is a UK based organization and it's purposely made for women and people from underrepresented groups so that you can have a very safe space Mm -hmm. to learn because that's not how the uh, general tech world is, right? When you go to conferences or uh, meetup groups, it's mostly, unfortunately, still dominated by uh, a particular gender and a particular race, mostly, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And also, I would probably add in a particular type of person, let's just say white men, because that's <laughs> what we're talking about, mm-hmm. but a particular group of white men, because not all men are like that, but um, it's also a group that's not very opening and welcoming to newcomers, right? Because that's how, that is kind of what you felt. And then, and I was going to ask you, Uh, don't you feel that it's strange that it's needed to have a safe space for women and people of underrepresented uh, in in, um, groups of, sorry, I'm messing this up, (laughs) underrepresented groups. Um, Don't you think that's a a, a very odd thing? I mean, how does that make you feel to know that you have Uh, to go to a special place to learn this? Well, now that I'm immersed in this world, it's, uh, I don't see it as strange, right? Mm. Because it's such a great place where um, we can sort of re-educate people about how to collaborate with all sorts of diversity, you know? Yeah. So I don't see it as strange now, but um, unfortunately, spaces like this are still needed because you still see in the workplace that a lot of people are still facing a lot of hostile environments. Um, yeah, there's a lot of re-education that needs to happen Yeah, in order for people of all genders, uh, races, age groups, because you're right, it does tend to be white young men mm-hmm. who yeah. are working in this field and and i you know i bet there is a lot of um bias as well um against uh, women and um people of color or of any of those underrepresented groups um in terms of trusting that that they can do it you know, trusting that that they have the same knowledge or they're just as good. It, something similar happens in the film industry, in, in my industry, right? When, once we talk about these positions that are very based on, um, um, you know, technical things like the director of photography or sound or any of these positions that are um, depending on technology and technical things, they tend to go to men and people tend to trust men more with these positions, thinking that women are not really capable of doing it. And I'm just trying to draw parallels there because I have a feeling that that's probably the same thing that's happening in your industry. 
I think uh, there's parallels, but I think there's such a shortage of tech workers right now that mm. you do see companies starting to realize that something needs to shift because you just don't have enough people to fill all of these positions, right? So there are definitely a lot of companies um, who still have biases like this, but you see more and more companies that are uh, changing the narrative, you know, they're, yeah. they're re-educating, they're thinking about ways of incorporating and uh, reaching out to different types of people so that they can fill those gaps. Mm -hmm. And so, so you do see a change, you do see maybe sort of a transition that we're going through right now? Yeah, huh? I see a lot of companies that are doing amazing things uh, in terms of trying to hire di a diverse workforce. They're yeah. not necessarily looking at, uh, you know, what education or what background are you coming from? Um, if they see that someone can learn, they're willing to put in the effort to train people and from there, you know, give them the skills needed to be able to do the job. So you do see a lot of companies going in this direction. But um, unfortunately, it's still not the dominant yeah. uh, view. Yeah. And so for people who don't really know what um, coding and programming is and what, what do you typically do in a meetup? Because you talk about these meetups, they're like workshops that you go to and you learn how to code. Mm -hmm. So you have people coming in from all kinds of levels. Maybe someone who has never touched a line of code, has not done anything is even afraid that their computer is going to blow up and <laughs> do something wrong. Um, all the way to people who are working on side projects and they're ready to transition into that first job as a developer. Um, yeah, so basically we pair you up with our developer working in the field and you sit down for two hours and you work on whatever it is that you want. So maybe someone is coming in and working on that very, very first uh, tutorial where they're looking at a web page and they're writing some HTML and then seeing like an image appear on the screen, you know, and that's their first start. And it's very exciting to see how everything gets demystified, right? You see how this little line of uh, HTML translates into something visual that you're seeing. Mm. So you have people just starting off all the way up to someone who might be getting prepared for a technical interview, right? So they're working on um, technical interview exercises with uh, an experienced coach. And yeah, it's really up to you what you want to work on. Mm -hmm. And how often are these uh, meetups? So codebar.io for anyone interested in yeah. getting, uh, if you're from one of these underrepresented groups, you can come and join us. You can also coach if you know how any one of these technologies, you can also help other people. 
So it's global now. There's chapters. It originally started in the UK, but there's chapters globally now. And it depends on the chapter. But in Barcelona, we run workshops every every two weeks on Thursdays. Okay. And then uh, they're all remote right now because of the mm. pandemic, which has been difficult, but also a blessing in disguise because now people from all over the world can join. Um, right. And depending on the chapter, there's usually one running every week. If you look on the website, you can find from different chapters and you can join, I don't know, one in Australia if the time yeah. frame works better for you. That's awesome. And what would you say to somebody who is thinking about doing it, but feeling that it's maybe too hard for them, or they have this kind of fear of technology or, you know, what, what do you typically say to them? I think it is really hard and I'm not going to lie. It is hard because yeah. um, there is uh, a lot to learn and every year technologies change. And so there's new things to learn. Um, but if you're curious about it, it's possible to learn. And I think that, uh, the more I get into this world, the more I find that there's so many generous people willing to put their time for free to help other people. Um, and it's possible to learn with, with the help of others and the support of others. And once you learn something Uh, the best way to learn is to to give back and teach others, you know? So yeah, not to be afraid. I think I would tell someone, don't be afraid. Um, take it as a game. I have kids now. I just had twins and I just see the way that they, they learn things, right? Like they fall and they're learning to walk at the moment. And just mm -hmm. because they fall and they trip on something, they, Don't say like, oh my goodness, that's awful. How could I have failed? I give <laughs> yeah. up. I'm not going to learn to walk. You know, they get up and try again. And then yeah. um, I see that learning to program is very similar. You can't do it overnight. Hmm. Uh, it's like a bunch of little things that you have to practice. And once you master that thing, for example, um, learning to walk, one of the twins is quite good now, but she spent months just uh, like raising herself on the couch and up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, repeating the same thing. And again, programming is the same thing. You have to practice the basics over mm. and over and over and over. And then once you master that and it seems easy, then you can move on to something else that's a little bit more challenging. And it's like a series of little or bigger hills that you climb, but Um, the brain is so incredible. You learn things very quickly, but it just it takes a lot of dedication. Um, and more than dedication, I think it's consistency. Hmm. And is it maybe also, I mean, I imagine that maybe it will help if you just focus on the first step, you know, mm -hmm. maybe just just go to the meetup and check it out and see what it is and don't focus about the end result. I mean, it's always good to have an objective and a goal, right? Because mm -hmm. that motivates you. But maybe that's not the best thing to be thinking about right away because that seems so big and there's so much to learn. It's just kind of taking that first step and then little by little add on. 
Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I think if you have a curiosity for it, mm. um, there's definitely days that are going to be hard because you get stuck and you don't know yeah. how to solve something. Um, but that's when you reach out for help, you know, like mm. find it in whatever way that you can and don't let yourself get stuck for more than two days, you know, yeah. if you're working on something. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think <laughs> what you're saying now is so um, key because you're saying reach out for help. And it's funny because I just did another talk with um, a woman called Callie and uh, she talked about that thing of understanding that it's okay to reach out and ask mm-hmm. for help and that that really you know started opening doors for her um, because you can't do everything by yourself. And so it's very powerful to be able to, to reach out and ask for help. And when you spoke about in the beginning about these groups where you don't feel yet that you mm. have the safe space to, to reach out and ask for help, well, that's a major problem in this world, right? Because it is based on you have to ask for help when you get stuck. So, yeah. So yeah. I, hmm. It is, especially in technology, because yeah. everything changes so quickly. Yeah. Um, what we're dealing with or working with now in four or five years, it's going to be totally different. Mm. So in order to learn everything, it would be impossible. So the yeah. fastest way to uh, learn is to collaborate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's actually very beautiful what you just say is to collaborate and sometimes I also think about um, when we talk about now I'm going to talk about something uh, a little bit different but when we talk about feminism for instance um, Mm -hmm. we we often end up talking about sides or it seems like we're talking about sides and that we're Mm -hmm. going against each other and you're either on the man side or on the woman side (laughs) when actually equality and feminism is well feminism is about equality right and it's about equal terms and equal opportunities for everyone regarding uh regardless of your gender or race or culture or whatever um and so i think for us to change things in the world we need to come together and do it together and and feminism needs men as well we need Mm -hmm. to do these changes together and so sometimes it's needed just like what you're doing now you have these groups that are focused on on women to help them bring forward because they need a push and because they need to know that you know you can do this it's it's fine it's yeah it's a lot but step by step everybody can learn Um, and so you need that push but it for me the ideal thing is to reach at some point and i realize that we're going through a transition period now but i reach at some point where we can all come together you know and and help each other um yeah and even though we do have this group that is for uh creating the safe space for women and people from underrepresented groups what ends up happening is that You do, of course, because uh, most of the coaches still are, are, or the large pool of coaches in many companies are men, right? Mm. So uh, you have all of these fantastic people willing to come to these meetups and you end up talking about other things and becoming 
aware of, you know, issues that women face or mm. um, members of the LGBTQI community. For example, we had this amazing coach who was uh, transgender and she was transitioning and she was telling us about how difficult it was for her to make this transition in her company because you yeah. have small, small things like her email changed. So mm. what do you do now? How does the company handle it? You know, um, there's no longer this idea of a female bathroom or just a male bathroom because there's people that don't identify with these gender binaries, right? So yeah. just even small things like that, people start to become aware of issues that groups from minority uh, or minority groups face and mm. they can bring these on not only in their companies but also throughout their lives in yeah. their friend groups right yeah well <laughs> we're getting around <laughs> many different topics and that's what i wanted to do also with these um talks and another thing i wanted to ask you about is uh, I know that you're doing a, a podcast as well. Um, and if I remember correctly, it's called Anyone Can Code, mm -hmm. which is a great title. <laughs> it, it's very clear what your, what your message is. Um, and I saw that you were doing, you were helping a 60-year-old woman transitioning her career. So... Can you tell me a little bit or tell us a little bit about that and tell us about her? Because I think that's so inspiring, um, amazing to have someone at 60 saying, hey, I want to change. Yeah, that's incredible. It was um, for anyone listening that wants to go check out that particular episode. It was Henriette uh, who started coming to our workshops and she wasn't thinking about becoming a programmer She or she just saw this book that like one of her children had around the house and she thought, Oh, that looks interesting. And she picked up the book and started um, doing some of the exercises in the book. And then all of a sudden something appeared on the screen and she got very <laughs> excited, <laughs> but yeah, she started coming to our workshops and over the course of a year learning Python. And then she saw somebody else who at 50 became a developer and she thought hmm, wow well why not yeah. uh, she enrolled in a boot camp which for people listening a boot camp is this kind of intensive course where you're there a minimum of like 10 hours per day and they range they can last for 12 weeks or a year she enrolled in one wow. and uh, completed it And then made a career transition. Now she's working for um, this fantastic nonprofit called MigraCode that teaches programming to migrants and refugees here in Barcelona. Wow. And she's running this group within MigraCode uh, called, I think it's called Women, like a Women of MigraCode or something. Yeah. We can link it. I'll look it up and we can link sure. it. And Yeah, she, she was saying, like, I had a career before, but this is one of the most fulfilling things that I'm doing now. And it was completely accidental. 
basically what you were saying, right? One curiosity led to another thing and she just kept going. It wasn't this objective that she had. Um, it just yeah. slowly unfolded and she kept following her curiosity and yeah. then found herself in a completely new career. That's amazing. And also no fear of, of age, you know, cause I think mm-hmm. there is um, often um, well, for many people, there is this thing of we've ha- maybe had um, a goal or a dream, an objective with our lives, right? When we're when we're young, we have this thing of oh, by uh, by thirty years or when I'm thirty, I'm gonna be at this point, you know. Also, in terms of family, actually, like people will plan out how many kids they should have and how many dogs and cars and all that, um, and then all of a sudden you hit thirty or you hit 40, or you hit 50, and you're just not there. You're not Mm -hmm. where you thought you were going to be. And I find that very empowering to realize that it doesn't matter. And that you can, at any point of your life, turn it around and do something else. Or you can reach your goal. That goal you had as a young kid, you can reach at any age. It doesn't have to happen now. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have been telling me, remember to enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not only about the goal. It's also about enjoying what you're doing until getting to your goal. And that has been really hard for me to kind of understand. I've always been very focused on my goals. Um, but once you let it go a little bit and, and you say, remember to do the things that you really love mm-hmm. while you're on the journey, right? Because otherwise, once you get to your goal and you look back, then What's the point, right? And I think that's amazing. I mean, she's just an example of that, really. Yeah, I think it's really hard when you're young because um, it's hard to, like, separate what you really want to do from the expectations that you think you need to fulfill, right? Mm -hmm. So the same thing happened to me. Like, I found myself... um, you know, following this whole academic career. And then one day I woke up and I'm enrolled in this PhD program, but I have no idea why I'm even doing it. And it was almost like you're sleepwalking through life. And one day I'm floating down this river and then I wake up and I'm realizing, how did I even get here? What am I doing? Why, why did I choose this? And that's why it's, really really important to as you said follow the things that you're curious about but it's hard to um do that when you also have expectations or Mm. to let go of those expectations right I don't know if the same thing happened to you yeah definitely and I think also it's uh, you know sometimes you have different levels of of pressure, um, mm-hmm. f- you know, from society, maybe from your parents, maybe just your own goals and your own, you know, whatever you set your mind to, and you're kind of trying to live up to that. So mm-hmm. there are many different types of pressures. And, mm. and now that we're talking about the, the, nar- the narrative and changing the narrative and all that, I think it's very important that we tell ourselves the story of, you can do whatever you want at any age. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be afraid of learning new things. It really, life should be like just about learning something new every day almost. Um, 
and trying to maybe let go of some of that pressure that uh, either your parents or society, probably especially society is expecting from you. Because I do feel, I don't know if you agree uh, with me in this, but I feel a lot of people go into this thing of getting married, having children, uh, finding that job that can mm-hmm. <laughs> give them enough money so they can do two travels a year and they can have a car. And and then what? You know, once they got yeah. that, then what? Um, so in that sense, I think it will be great for us to try and change the narrative of that and say, mm, no, I don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can explore, I can try new things. I can go to a meetup with Amalia and learn how to code <laughs> and, and not be afraid of that and not think that, oh no, this, this is not for me. This, I could never do that because really, if you set your mind to it, and if you, like we said before, like do it step by step, you can, you can learn anything. Yeah. And I think there's also like for many people, the fear of failing, you know, and mm. looking like a ridiculous fool. Because um, I remember, you know, starting out at 34 and thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm already too old. And there's yeah. people, you know, in their 20s who are thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm already too old. Yeah. Um, and then when I met someone who was in her 40s and she was just transitioning to this uh, career, I thought, oh, goodness, now I don't have an excuse because there's someone in their 40s that is doing this. And then when I met uh, Henriette, I just thought, okay, don't even put that label on yourself because look at this amazing woman. And she just, you know, that's why it's important to have these role models as well. I think also that's why um, the podcast was really important for me because This was another thing of how I decided to, um, it sounds really silly, but to learn to program, I saw an ad and there was a woman of color. And that was the first time I had seen anyone that um, remotely I could identify with, you know, and I thought, wow, if she's learning to program, I can do it too. And this podcast was, I want to highlight people like that because, um, just like me, maybe there's someone who has the curiosity, but they think I can't do it. Mm. And if you see other people from different age groups, from different places, from different religions, from different, yeah, uh, yeah then it's possible. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so true, and it's um, something that I've also um, that I also see in in my industry, right, in the film business that. Um, It's so important. I mean, films are so powerful, really, Mm -hmm. because what we see on the big screen, we sometimes even tend to think is real. You know, if Mm -hmm. if you think about it, like, what do we actually know? Uh, Well, you grew up in the States. But for me, for example, if I think back when I was a child, um, I had never been to the States. Okay, never. So how could I know how the States really are? Or, you know, like, I didn't. I never visited, but I knew exactly what America was about. I knew exactly what the states were about. I knew the yellow caps in New York. Mm-hmm. I knew, you know, all the buildings. Um, I knew that uh, people would go to diners and eat burgers, and I knew the music and I, all these things. And how do I know that? Well, because of movies, 
movies, some music videos, commercials, but particularly movies. And so it's very powerful medium. What we put in movies is really what people think is real because right. then, yeah, because then for me, the, 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 the States that I knew was the States that I knew through, through films. Um, and that for me was the real deal, you know? Um, and so saying this thing about how important it is to show stories from um, diverse stories from diverse characters, make sure that everyone has someone that when they look at the screen, they can identify with. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a, uh, a stereotypical um, image of some person or of some that belongs to either a certain um, gender or race or culture or religion or whatever, uh, because we have plenty of those. We have plenty of stories with with those characters, but put into very stereotypical characters. Um, so again, we're not really seeing the truth, but having actual real, um, well, not real because it's fiction, but having <laughs> stories that are much more, um, are, are more cl close to what, what the real world looks like is so important, right? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. That's why what you do is also incredibly important and powerful. It's important, but it has, at the same time, it can be even dangerous sometimes, mm. you know, and I feel like you, you do have a, a certain responsibility. I mean, of course we should have all types of films, you know, we can't, they can't all be uh, correct, political, correct and ethical and all that, because where would um, horror films go? <laughs> but, uh, but still there you know, I think we can be more ethical about the stories that we tell. And at least when we try to do movies that are more um, representative of the real world, so like dramas, for instance, um, we should probably be better at researching and mm -hmm. asking for help. If we want to do a film about, let's just say an example, Native Americans, well, then I should probably go and be with Native Americans or maybe even get a Native American consultant or someone that can really instead of just coming up with my, with my own stories. Um. Yeah. And yeah, it's really, I, I loved the script from it's, I don't think it's your latest film, but one of your short films, um, you know, cause it was uh, about this, this guy who had a baby and he found himself in like uh, have having um the pedophile like uh yeah he has an attraction towards kids it's he's a pedophile right but he mm -hmm. chooses not to not to act upon it because he's uh, aware of of what it means and and mm -hmm. that it's a bad thing and you know that you absolutely cannot act on on that desire because uh, he knows it would traumatize the, the child and would hurt the child yeah, and it was, it's just like so powerful to see, you know, all kinds of different viewpoints, right? And this is yeah. really where film uh, shines. You can see all, all kinds of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, one of the things, well, now we're not going to talk about me now, <laughs> but one of the things that I like to do with films and with my films is to challenge people and the way they think. So sometimes I'll put something 
uncomfortable on screen, but it's really to get your mind thinking and get, mm -hmm. I, I really want the audience when they've seen the film to start asking themselves questions and having a debate with themselves and go, wow, well, what do I really think? Or maybe I should think differently or, because I think that's very important. Um, and especially in, in our world today, ask questions, reflect, mm -hmm. ask yourself, how do I really feel about this? Um, because we are allowed also to change our opinions on things mm -hmm. and we're allowed to have an opinion because maybe we were somehow indoctrinated from society or the way we grew up, our family pattern or whatever. And we reach an age and we learn something new and we're allowed to change them. Right. And I think if we should, you know, go into talking about racism and things like that, um, um, you, I, well, I don't know if this is true, but I have a feeling that sometimes people just hold on to opinions because it might have just have been something that they have been raised to think, or mm -hmm. this is because of the area they have come from, or this is all they've seen and they don't have the courage to change their opinion. Yeah. It's difficult. No? It is, but it's something that um, it's something that is, so very powerful if you allow yourself to open your mind and take mm -hmm. in new inputs and be open towards new um, stories and mm -hmm. new perspectives and listen to people and listen to where they come from and their opinions even if that opinion is so very different from yours and then ask yourself what do I think about that and reflect about it and then it's okay to change your opinion at some point yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's why film is incredibly powerful, no? Yeah. Yeah, no, it it really is. It's funny because you and I we actually met each other um I can't even remember how, but we used to meet up once a week, I think it was with another girl um who was also very interested in film and you were at that point also, I remember because you were talking about kind of you know, learning something new, you were trying to learn how to maybe do some uh, videos, recording yourself. Um, and so you had that desire also to learn something new and to combine the media, the, the tech world and the film industry. I remember that. Yeah, because uh, I've always been very passionate about academia, learning and teaching Education has changed my life completely. Yeah. But I think that it's an industry that is evolving so slowly. Um, and sometimes I get really frustrated with how slow it's evolving, right? And I think the pandemia has shown that there's a lot of things that need to be restructured in the way that education is being offered and delivered to people. Mm. So I do a lot of online learning and, and I also like to teach. So yeah, I wanted to combine some film elements and make learning and teaching less boring. That's awesome. So, yeah. Amalia, um, I'm going to wrap up now and I'm going to ask you to 
share with us uh, any if you have a website maybe mention again the places where people can go to if they are interested in learning to code or if they're just interested in being inspired by some of your guests on the podcast where can we find you yeah if anyone is interested in looking uh, or there's all kinds of different people on the podcast if you want to think if you're thinking about making a career transition into tech or you want to just have a curiosity for it um, they can go to anybodycancode.com um, in the process of uh, redoing the website so there will be updates soon um, there or if you want to join our workshops you can go to codebar.io and yeah anybody from underrepresented groups is welcome to join in and we're happy to have you that is awesome Thank you so much, Amalia. Is there anything else you'd like to, to add here before we end or? No, I just, uh, what you said, I really love this idea of if you're curious, just take the next step. It, it mm. can be really small and practice there. Once you mastered that and you feel comfortable, then add another layer. And I think that's the best advice for learning anything, whether it's film um, or technology or maths or anything it, yeah. it layers on it's it's a process of staying consistent and being patient perfect those mm -hmm. are great words and very very good advice um, definitely so thank you very much Amalia um, it was so nice to have you here talking about something that I know absolutely nothing about <laughs> But uh, but I'm very fascinated. Of, um, I'm very fascinated of this thing of knowing nothing and just jumping out into it. And and what we talked about, like learning just step by step, um, and also the fact that you're creating this safe space for people, I think is awesome. So thank you so much, Amalia. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Take care. Mm -hmm. Bye. Thank you.